This is the Joy-Filled Eater Podcast. My name is Brittany Braswell, and I'm your food freedom coach. And by the end of this episode, you're going to know if hormone health could be something that's negatively impacting your food freedom goals and what you can do now to start resolving potential hormone issues. But first, I've got a quick question for you. Do you ever feel totally energy depleted, even when you get a full night's sleep? Do you crave a sense of control, but find yourself going completely crazy around certain kinds of food? Well, friend, today's episode is most certainly for you, because we're talking all about hormones with women's health expert, Olivia Wagner. Olivia is a functional dietitian specializing in issues like PCOS, period problems, and fertility. She helps women just like you discover and address the root causes of their health challenges with personalized nutrition, realistic lifestyle support, advanced lab testing, and mind-body practices to help her clients learn to trust their body again. As you listen to this episode, I want you to notice what comes up for you as Olivia and I talk about learning what it means to fully trust your body and to develop a greater level of body wisdom. Notice any thoughts you may have that could be keeping you from trusting yourself or your body when it comes to your relationship with food. So today on The Joyful Eater, Olivia joins us and she's going to share three things. Number one, how to recognize when your hormones might be out of whack. Two, how to ditch temporary quote-unquote band-aid fixes and get to the root of your hormone issues. And number three, what steps you can take right now to start balancing your hormones for improved menstrual health, a reduced stress response, and a better chance for a healthy pregnancy. So if you want to improve your hormone health and feel less out of control around food, you're going to want to stick around for this episode of the Joyful Eater Podcast. Welcome to the Joy-Filled Eater Podcast, the show that helps you cultivate a joy-filled relationship with food, your body, and Jesus. My name is Brittany Braswell, and I'm a Christ-centered registered dietitian and eating disorder recovery coach on a mission to help you break free from the bondage of food guilt and body shame so that you can start fueling your physical, mental, and spiritual health all from a place of joy. We'll be spilling the tea on all things diet culture, even in the church. Think of this as your weekly dose of nutrition and body image real talk mixed with biblical encouragement from your Southern bestie. If you love Jesus, are sick of having negative body image, and wish food didn't feel so complicated, then welcome, friend. This show is for you. So grab your coffee, get comfy, and prepare to be challenged. This is the Joyful Eater Podcast. Hey, Olivia, welcome to the Joyful Eater Podcast. Brittany, thank you so much for having me today. Olivia, I know we've known each other for a few years now. Um, yes. And I know I know that you have such a passion for serving women who are really struggling with hormone-related issues. So I love we're gonna, that we're going to have this conversation today because I know you talk a lot about things like PCOS and menstrual cycle dysregulation and infertility, which are all so important and so impactful, especially as they relate to disordered eating. So I'd love for you just take a second um, and tell me, tell our listeners, why, why does women health matter so much to you? And then how did you really get into this particular area of specialty of practice? Oh my gosh, of course. So I am a women's health dietitian and I've been in the functional medicine space for almost 10 years now. And it wasn't until I really was having my own women's health issues that I became so impassioned with the space and wanted to dedicate my career essentially to guiding other women through a positive relationship with food to also connecting and feeling empowered in their health 
through their bodies and then seeing the benefits from a symptom standpoint. And so I thought I was doing all the right things when it came to diet and lifestyle. I was really into the lab assessment and the testing and the supplemental space of functional medicine. But it wasn't really until I realized that I had such a broken relationship with food and a broken relationship with myself and started to mend those areas that I was able to really turn corners in my own personal health story. And as a result of not working on those areas for so long, I really got myself tangled into a huge symptomatic mess. And really, ultimately, I, a lot of my symptoms were related to digestive health and immune insufficiency. So I was collecting a variety of um, positive infections on test panels, Lyme disease, chronic active Epstein-Barr, and I started chasing all of those different pathways, mold illness, et cetera. And for me, it took a long time to recognize, okay, a lot of this immune support actually starts with your foundations and which I, I will probably talk about a little bit in this episode, but you know, about your, your foundations that support your livelihood as a woman. And also, yeah. also starts with your, um, you know, your emotional health and your thoughts. So, so true. I love that you mentioned that already, because I think when so many people think of hormone health, they just think, oh, well, you know, I have my menstrual cycle, so my hormones are fine. Um, or you get the other side of things where people are going, oh, I just feel so emotional all the time. And that's what they think of when they think hormones. So yeah, I, I love that you, you mentioned so vulnerably too, like your side of the story where you didn't realize how much your relationship with food was impacting your hormone health and all the, the crazy symptoms that show up with that. So, yeah. so what would, what would you say, why do you feel like hormone health is something that matters so much or that women especially should be aware of when it comes to their relationship with food or their body? Well, you mentioned something that I just want to add on to that's related to that. When we think about hormones, a lot of times we think about reproductive health. We think about our sex hormones. But the truth is that there are a variety of hormones throughout the body. And there's hormones that impact our hunger and fullness, that influence our stress response, that influence our like circadian function, our sleep, our um, energy levels during the day. And so it's not just all about reproduction. Like we need to have healthy hormones on a daily basis to just feel well in our bodies, you know, and to optimize your your daily experience. And so I think that that gets really overlooked when, um, you know, we think about kind of like the just like standard idea of like hormone symptoms or like hormone problems. We think about sex, reproductive hormones, you know? Yeah, absolutely. So I when it comes to hormone health, you just mentioned so many different areas that I hear questions about on a regular basis. And yeah. I love something that you said that stuck out to me because I hear so many clients say this is they're like, you know, I'm, I don't feel like I'm so much struggling or focused on the weight loss aspect of things, but I really just want to feel better in my body. I want to physically feel better and I want to mentally feel better. And so often people think when they're focusing on health, it's either all in on physical health or all in on mental health. And you don't realize how much one impacts the other. So, exactly. yeah. So it sounds like one of the reasons why you're saying this is so important is because hormones really impact how we feel on a daily basis. Yeah. Um, 
how what, just out of curiosity for you, Olivia, since you've you've been in this space before of working on your own hormone health, what are some things for you that you noticed? What, what are some things that are different now that you are that you know how to care for your body, you know how to care for your hormone health? Like, how do you feel different now than maybe you felt when you were in that place with, you know, a really negative relationship with food, where your hormones were kind of all over the place? Yeah. And I'm happy to take this to a little bit more of a personal place and drive it kind of into the category of like, what are some of the symptoms that you might experience? Generally? Yeah. Yeah. So I was living in an eating disorder for a long time that I wasn't addressing very personally. And as a result of that and under eating, over exercising, being really like hyper-focused on the quality of food that I was eating and how much of it, it was kind of like an orthorexic experience for me where I thought I was taking care of my health, but really I was actually um, inhibiting myself in a lot of ways from really living a healthy, vibrant life. And so I was experiencing more of the symptoms of low sex hormones. And so women's health, I always say, circulates around the body feeling safe. We need it to feel safe. And Mm -hmm. um, that kind of verbiage for some people can feel a little bit foreign, but ultimately what that means is we want to make sure that has the reserves on board so it can feel like it's not pulling its strings, trying to um, make sure that it can have the resources to support your body and the different chemical processes on a daily basis. You know, your nutrition and your energy needs are not just about like, so you can exercise that day. We need it so your brain can think, your heart can beat, so that, you know, your body can digest food. It's like, if we don't have our baseline energy needs or if our body is always in a stress state perceiving that we're not going to get those needs it drives up our stress hormones which then requires even more resources from the body and we end up in this highly highly depleted space so what that leads to is not enough resources or tools for our sex hormones so we have a combination of taxed like regular hormones that support our hunger and our fullness. So we might experience more like low blood sugar situations, not just even related to potentially under eating, but actually because those hormones don't have enough support to begin with. We have elevated stress hormones, which are driving up our needs for, um, they're using up our minerals a lot more readily, which our sex hormones need minerals. And so as we start to kind of snowball into the space of depletion, you might start to find yourself experiencing like poor sleep or insomnia, fatigue or trouble concentrating during the day. You know, a big one of mine was anxiety and depression. I felt like my mood was just all over the place. And then it kind of fed into my, you know, experience with food because I ended up getting even more hyper preoccupied with food. And that tends to happen. And I know you can speak to that from the disordered eating side, that the more that you are undernourishing yourself or in like a caloric deficit, you ultimately feed into those beliefs and those pathways greater. Yes. Um, and All so the time. <laughs> low sex drive is a big one, hair loss or hair thinning, dry skin, brittle nails, um, vaginal dryness. And then, you know, from a more like I guess, diagnostic standpoint or a like conditions associated, we might see PCOS, we might see missing or regular periods, we might see, you know, fertility challenges or symptomatic cycles, um, poor skin and hair health is a big one that I see and just like low energy, hypothyroidism, um, you know, feeling like your weight isn't changing 
and you might really be in a pretty low weight space, but still feeling like, oh, my body composition's different or, and there can obviously be preoccupations with that too. But a lot of these symptoms are a result of your body feeling that, that threat and being in a state of like, we have to self-preserve. We have to like reduce um, where we are dedicating resources to because we don't have enough of them. Okay, so something I really hope listeners picked up on that, and I'm just going to rephrase because you said it so beautifully. We were talking about how important it is to to have that at least neutral, if not positive, relationship with food and your body. And so many people, I think, get stuck, especially in that stress response space of feeling like, oh, I'm so stressed about food, or I'm stressed about trying not to eat certain foods, and that just puts their body in even more hormonal dysregulation. And so something that I want listeners to hear is that improving your physical health, and even if you have an eating disorder or a disordered relationship with food, a lot of times that can actually be worsened or exacerbated because of your hormone health. Like they play into each other so much. Negative relationship with food can imp- negatively impact hormone health and vice versa. Yeah. So something um, something we've talked about in my coaching group before in the Joyful Eater Live is we talk about the importance of how does your hormone health actually impact your potentially disordered behaviors or relationship with food. So in, in the disordered eating space, you I, I would love to hear from you, Olivia, what are some ways that you most commonly see disordered eating behaviors like restricting, um, over-exercise, binge eating, things like that? How do you see those things specifically influencing women's health or maybe even just hormonal status? Oh my gosh. Yeah. So I think that there's a lot of perceived healthy habits that actually are really hard on your hormone health. Do you want me oh, to go kind yes, of like let's go up? there. Let's yeah. okay. let's absolutely go there. <laughs> so one of those is you know, your, I was talking about the different types of hormones in your body. So we have different hormones that influence our eating experience. We have leptin um, and we have ghrelin. So ghrelin is the hunger hormone and leptin is that satiating hormone. And then we have insulin, which basically helps take the sugars from the bloodstream to bring them into the cells for energy. So these hormones really do take Um, they're very sensitive to the stress response and to that perceived threat of there not being enough resources. And so one of the things that when we are participating in healthy behaviors like skipping breakfast and fasting or trying to reduce overall calorie intake, this is something that can really because we we think we're trying to eat you i'm doing air quotes if you guys you guys probably can't see me on audio but <laughs> air quotes you know, the healthy behaviors only a certain amount today because it's a new diet that we're starting in the new year we're doing a paleo practice or whatever it is and um basically i i guess i'll just start with like skipping breakfast is something that can really drive up the stress response and it can create a cascade for the rest of your day which you can experience more sugar cravings more impulsive eating heightened desires for certain foods. And then if you're in a space where your mindset is feeling problematic with that, it can actually drive some of the disordered eating a little bit further because you feel out of control. And ultimately Mm -hmm. it was that behavior at the start of the day where we dysregulated your blood sugar by skipping breakfast and we put you on that blood sugar roller coaster that it kind of set you up for like a sticky space with your relationship with food 
because your physical body felt so off. Yes. Okay. I use the term blood sugar roller coaster on a weekly basis, at least, <laughs> with so many of my clients. So, you mean not so daily? If, <laughs> yeah, may, pro, well, at least a couple of times a week, if not daily. So, because I don't see my clients every single day. But this yeah. is like a topic that is constantly being gone over. So for someone maybe who's not familiar with that term or that concept of like the blood sugar roller coaster, how would you just really simply explain that to someone? Because so many people have no idea when their blood sugar is like up and down and up and down and all over the place. Totally. So every time we eat a meal or a snack, we break down our food into tiny little molecules of glucose or sugar that our body then utilizes at a cellular level for energy. And so there's certain foods like carbohydrates by themselves. So that could be fruit, vegetables, breads, pastas, crackers, cookies, candy that are going to break down more quickly to be utilized for energy. So when things break down more quickly, we're going to get a spike. And on that downward from a spike, we get a fall. So the idea here of the roller coaster is that we want to try to make sure that we are eating meals that are, there's three different ways that we can influence our blood sugar, I should say. The timing of our meals, the type of food that we're eating at the meal, and the total amount. So the idea is, is that instead of the spikes and falls, we want to try to get rolling hills and more like a kiddie ride at the amusement park versus like it's the crazy, analogy. like scream your lungs off roller coaster experience. So one of the best ways to achieve that is to try to eat protein and fat along with those carbohydrate sources. So it could be like an apple with peanut butter or, um, you know, making sure that you're getting like with your, with your salad, you're getting chicken and avocado and some potato on it. We're getting protein, fat, carbohydrate, and fiber at our main meals. And at snacks, we're getting at least protein or fat along with our carbs. And I know this is a lot of information to share at once, but the kind of cool thing is by practicing blood sugar stability, we're also really making sure we're getting a lot of good vitamins and minerals. You know, we're helping to get those nutrients you need in your experience. So that's kind of the type. And then the timing is to try to eat something about every, you know, if you're in a really stressed space, it might be that you need to eat a little bit more frequently. The idea is that you're eating robust enough meals ultimately to carry you three to four hours so that you can feel satisfied and not over thinking about food in that window before you're eating your next meal. And I'm sure you talk about this with clients, but when you've been in the space of the blood sugar roller coaster for a long time, where you've been going large amounts of time without eating and then eating a large amount or nibbling on food all day long, your body, those um, hormones related to hunger and fullness can get a little bit off and it can take some time to readjust. And so my point of this in saying is that with practicing blood sugar stability for a consistent window of time, you actually can find that by supporting your physical body, you, you can kind of quiet some of the voices in your head. Yes. Okay. So, um, I said a lot there. (laughs) No, for, for anyone who's listening, who is, um, a client or a student of mine, I feel like you just heard a repeat of something that I talk about when it comes to blood sugar balance, because what I just heard you say, Olivia, and what I want to make sure listeners understand with this is that those foods that you mentioned that tend to spike blood sugar, right? Those typically more simple forms of carbohydrate consumption. So breads, desserts, starchy vegetables, um, which I'm gonna put a little caveat there. Some of those have a higher amount of fiber. So to a lesser extent, I guess, but 
it's not that you're saying or that I'm saying you need to avoid those things. No. You said, and what I want to reiterate here, when you, because you said this so beautifully, when we choose those things, we want to include those protein, fats, and sources of fiber so that what that does is it keeps you from having that that peak, right? That blood sugar peak where it's going to go up really far and go down and give you that thrill ride experience yep. that leaves you not feeling so great afterwards, right? We don't it's want the stomach to allow it. Right. Yes. We still want the blood sugar to go up. That's normal, but we don't want it to be this like peak and and fall. So when you add the protein, the fat, the fiber, or at least, you know, one or two of those, that's going to help you just have a, a more normal rise and fall and not experience some of those crazy symptoms of, you know, like being so preoccupied with food when your blood sugar drops, right? Cravings happen at that valley point, right? That's something I hear about so much from clients is they're like, I feel so crazy and out of control around food. And when I say, when, when we're exploring this blood sugar balance issue, I'm finding out they're going way outside of that three to four hour window of, of eating, right? So they're getting really preoccupied with food partly because their blood sugar is dropping and their body's yeah. going, oh my goodness, I need to eat. I'm going to make you think about food to try to get you to eat, right? That's that's another one of those symptoms of low blood sugar is that preoccupation with food. And it is it doesn't mean you have no willpower. You have no self-discipline. It means your body is trying to keep you regulated. And safe. Right? Yeah. And I think safe, absolutely. I'm so happy we can share this with people too because when you don't have that knowledge or that awareness, it feels like to you, you're out of control. And there's something, you know, like, why am I hungry? Or why, you know, your, your brain is trying to fight your body. And then when there's that acceptance of like, actually, it's trying to tell me something and it's okay to listen to that. That's where we can start to create a little bit more peace too. Yes. And that's, that fits right into where you said like, this takes, if you've been struggling with not just blood sugar balance, but kind of some of these more crazy or restrictive or even hamster wheel, you know, fad dieting sort of patterns. You mentioned it takes that consistency before your body really starts to regulate and you can start developing trust with your body. And then from that point, being able to cultivate a greater level of wisdom and how to take care of and steward your body. So totally a big, yeah, yeah. A big issue I see that happens here is that people try to use um, what, what you and I might call like a band-aid fix, right? Like I see tons of women trying to resolve all kinds of issues, um, food related and otherwise with really temporary, you know, quote unquote band-aid kind of solutions. And they really just provide short-term cover-up of symptoms, right? Yeah. Like trying to give you quick symptom relief, but they really don't solve the root problem that's actually causing the symptoms. Yeah. So, so like for a lot of my clients, it's, you know, hey, I'm going to go on one of those, you know, new year, new me fad diets, right? I'm going to do keto or paleo or intermittent fasting. Um, and I'm going to do it to try to cut out certain food groups that make me feel so out of control around food yeah. or to stop binge eating because if I don't have this food, then I won't crave it anymore. Right. So we get all these like band-aid fixes, right? So exactly. So I would love to hear from you, what sort of band-aids would you say that you really commonly see women using that end up really covering up or masking some of those hormone-related symptoms, especially yes. when it comes to disordered eating? I kind of see it into two categories, and one category is some of those mistakes still. And so like within, you know, starting some of those bad diets or, you know, 
trying to grab onto something for control. Ultimately, that's what's what's happening here. One of the the things that I see is too low calorie of eating again, like reinforcing a structure of too low calorie of eating, which can encourage that starvation response, which can again create that like down the the understanding from your body standpoint of not having enough resources and that again impacts those kind of like low sex hormone symptoms and then also too low of carbohydrate eating and i think that's something that really really gets overlooked in the women's health community is how important carbohydrates are actually to supporting that perception of safety and also to creating an environment where we can have healthy progesterone production and so the way that I talk about this a lot with clients too, and I, I, I think this is really, it's a nice follow-up too to the blood sugar stability conversation we were having because carbohydrates are not bad. They are essential and we want to use them really thoughtfully in our routine. And I feel like far often than not, I'm having to re-educate women on the health of carbohydrates and the frequency of including it because so much of diet culture reminds us that it's why you're gaining weight. It's why you have gut issues. It's why you have, um, you know, why you have brain fog. And it's like biochemically, there's so, so much more going on with that. And if you're someone who feels like you are really resistant to carbohydrates, like it's just not your body is resistant. It's not responding well when you eat carbohydrates. That's actually sending us some messages about some additional support that your body needs, either from a microbiome standpoint, either from like a blood sugar stability standpoint. Um, a lot of times I'm finding that my women really need um, a mineral boost. I was mentioning how stress can really deplete minerals like magnesium, sodium, and potassium. And those are all things that influence your gut health. They influence your energy levels. They influence your cognitive health. And so um, not to go too much on a tangent here, but my, my big takeaway is that when we are pulling at strings for support with some of these quick fixes, like adopting a short-term lower calorie diet or a diet that eliminates whole food groups, Ultimately, I find that to be some of the bigger triggers for longstanding hormone symptoms down the line. So basically, making sure that, again, like working on this healthier viewpoint of food, seeing food as neutral, right? Mm -hmm. And when I say neutral, just for clarification, I'm not talking about nutritionally equivalent, right? We're talking about like morally neutral, like no good foods, bad foods kind of language. Where yeah we're able to use food as a tool and as something for enjoyment. And at the same time, there's a way we can use those in a way that help us feel great. And hormone health is a big part of that. So, yeah. so you just, you just mentioned a lot of those sort of what we would call band-aid solutions, right? Like trying to cut out certain food groups or um, different ways that we tend to try and respond to stress that it sounds like often really, make the stress response worse. Like over-exercising right? so, too, say with the start of the yeah. new year. As, like that's something, again, that revs up the fight or flight response. It's going mm -hmm. to, you know, when we have that chronic cortisol experience, that's going to downregulate your sex hormones again. It can impair ovulation. And again, I work with a lot of women with period problems and fertility challenges. So I think a lot about how are your diet and lifestyle choices impacting all of your hormones, including your sex hormones, including your cycle. And one of the common things that can really happen, I'm sure you see this in your practice a lot, is 
hypothalamic amenorrhea or missing periods as related to disordered eating too. And it doesn't always have to happen because um, I guess this is, this is related as an aside, but the body responds more so to a calorie deficit than to a low weight. And so I think that's something that can get overlooked too in the, the space of disordered eating and hormone health is certain women perceive that, oh, my weight's not like I'm not underweight or my weight's not super low. And so how could I be creating all these problems for myself? But it's really Mm -hmm. more so the patterns that you are subscribing to on a daily basis, the the routines and the habits. So if you are under eating or if you are over exercising, your weight doesn't matter as much. It's how your body is perceiving that experience. Yes. And I hope everyone heard that. If you guys have not listened to it yet after this, check out episode two, because in that episode, I go through some different, like seven different signs that you might have a disordered relationship with food. And not one of them, spoiler alert, has to do with being at a specific weight, right? Like Olivia, what you just mentioned, yes, you don't have to be at a certain weight or body size to have hormonal issues. And for your energy intake, right? It's not always, one is not going to always reflect the other. I've worked with so many women and I hope this, I hope this gives people some encouragement or some grace to say like, I don't have to be in a certain body size in order to have an unhealthy relationship with food or for my body size to impact my health, right? Health is not, you, you can't look at somebody or somebody's body size and know, are they healthy? Are they unhealthy? What's their relationship like with food? Um, so, so we've covered, we've covered here a lot of, of different areas when it comes to hormone health and some of the symptoms. And a second ago, you were talking a little bit more about like period health, missing periods, um, HA, so that hypothalamic amenorrhea. So, so let's narrow it down and get a little more specific in that area for just a minute, because I, I see in my coaching practice and in my groups, um, I see a lot of college students and a lot of young women, maybe newly married, maybe a few years in, and they are either trying to get pregnant or they know at some point they want to be a mom. Um, and for so many of them, they're having missing periods or maybe they have their period. And so they think, oh, well, you know, I'm, I must not be too underweight or I must, um, I must be eating enough because I, I still have my cycle. So that, you know, my hormones must be totally normal because my cycle's not missing. But they are still having trouble either getting pregnant or carrying a full, you know, healthy pregnancy to term. So yeah. can you, can you speak to the impact of disordered eating or maybe just certain unhealthy behaviors around food, especially when it comes to fertility or, yeah. or carrying a pregnancy full term? Yeah. So really a lot of this boils back down to perceived stress on the body. When we think about reproductive health and the availability for your body to conceive and carry a child, your body needs to feel safe enough to know that it's going to have resources for you and resources for that child. And of course there are spiritual, um, energetic kind of like faith-based elements to conception and bringing a soul into the world that are not so much related to these physical, you know, attributes, but we want to make sure that again, the body is an environment that is going to be most optimal to support that experience from 
preconception to conception to carrying a full-term pregnancy. And so the three things that I'm really thinking about and talking about with clients are adequate nutrition. So making sure that you are getting enough food, supporting parasympathetic practices. So making sure that we are giving your body intentional routines and activations that are going to support kind of like the down regulation of stress and calming. So a lot of times here I'm talking about breath work practices and dental movement like yoga or even self-massage, things that also help you connect a little bit more so to your body. And then the third piece is really that blood sugar balance, you know, making sure that we are eating regularly throughout the day and getting the balanced plate that is going to allow for nutrient availability, color, antioxidants. So it's enough food. It's a variety of foods that are going to deliver that nutrition. And also that we are not adding additional stress to our bucket. You know, it's for women trying to um, conceive and have been on that journey for a while. Sometimes I get the feedback of like, I just need something that I feel like I can accomplish. I'm going to start training for a half marathon, or I'm going to just start going to this new workout class, or I you know, I'm going to spend a little bit more time committed to work because I just need to think about something that can feel in my control. And of course, I can fully understand that reaction. You know, where it can feel overwhelming when something that you want and desire so highly isn't coming together for you immediately. The feedback that I give my clients here is to continue to get curious. And again, as their coach and their accountability partner, we're really zooming in and focusing on the areas that are going to give them the most bang for their buck, not only to support their conception, but also the thing that's important to know is that if you're working on your hormones preconception, you're also supporting your hormone experience postpartum and in the years beyond that, because again, some of these foundational habits, not even some of them, all of these habits are going to support you in your entire experience of hormone health through perimenopause and menopause you know it's like it's not i think that's what a lot of people miss too is it's not like oh i should just do this to make this happen it's like actually these are important things to know for the rest of your life yes yes and and i work with a lot of women too who maybe they're not in that stage of you know they're trying to prepare their body from a a fertility or pregnancy standpoint maybe they're in that that menopause stage or they're somewhere in between and they're like Mm -hmm. oh well I don't know if I have dysregulated hormones because I haven't had a period in so long because I've already, you know, either been through menopause or something else is dysregulating it. And the conversation I hear come up in that arena so much has to do with birth control. Yeah. Various forms of birth control, oral contraceptives, other means. So can you speak to that for just a minute? Because I have a conversation on a semi-regular basis with my clients when they, when they go to their OBGYN office and Maybe they've been missing a period. And one of the first things, you probably hear this all the time in your practice, Olivia. One of the first things their doctor wants to do is put them on birth control to quote unquote regulate their hormones, right? If someone is saying, well, I I get a regular period. Like, I don't think my hormones are, are, you know, in any sort of jeopardy. And then you find out, okay, hey, they're on oral birth control, right? Um, What are some things that they need to maybe watch out for or... If they're, if they are having a regular cycle, but they're like, do I stay on birth control? Do I come off of it? How does that impact it? Speak it, speak into that area for us for just a minute. This drives me bananas. And (laughs) the the truth here is there's just an incredible need for education. 
Because if your period is missing, the question we want to be asking yourself is why? When you are taking an oral contraceptive, when your period is missing, it is not giving you a real period. It is giving you a withdrawal bleed as a result of stopping those exogenous hormones on your, you know, your sugar pill or like your week off window of your, your birth control pack. And so it's really important for women to know that that's not fixing why they are not getting a period. They need to have the awareness that there are other dietary lifestyle, potentially emotional stress factors that are again, creating that environment where their body does not feel safe enough to create the hormonal fluctuations throughout your menstrual cycle to allow for menstruation. And so what drives me bananas is not birth control. I am not um, anti-birth control in any sort of way. I'm frustrated with the lack of education around what it means to not have a period and the lack of sometimes options provided to individuals Mm -hmm. when their period is missing. Yes. And that can be such, such a huge issue and stumbling block for so many people that think, Hey, because I am on an oral contraceptive form of birth control, like they, they don't know if they have a natural period or not. Um, and I know coming off of that, because I have done this twice personally, yeah. I have two children, um, and your body is in this like weird flux state. It feels like, at least for me, when I was in that process of coming off of birth control and trying to get like a regular cycle again, and yeah. my hormones <laughs> regulated. So, so I know that's a big issue. So, um, for anyone who's going through something similar or they're trying to figure out like, okay, what are what are my unique hormones doing? How yeah. do I figure out if I have hormone issues? Or what if I want to explore the idea of maybe not being on birth control and seeing how my body responds? Could you give listeners just maybe one simple next step that they can take this week? Like when they finish listening to this episode, what is something that they can actively do? Because we talked about control being such an issue, right? Like we want to feel in control. And so often yeah. hormones just feel like they're all over the place. It's it's not my body. I can't control it. And that doesn't feel safe. So what's one thing that they can control or an action they can take to maybe start recognizing potential hormone-related issues that they may have, and then maybe something that would help them to start figuring out how to regulate them? Yeah. There's a couple things that I want to say here. In speaking to just women as a whole who want to support their hormone health, I think that one foundational step that I really encourage is starting your day with a balanced breakfast within an hour of waking and trying to get at least 20 grams of protein. So that might be two to three eggs. That might be a cup of yogurt with nuts and seeds on it. It might be a smoothie. It could be, you know, um, chicken sausages and sweet potatoes and avocado or avocado toast with some chicken sausages on the side, but something that is going to anchor your blood sugar for the day at the start of the day. I also have a resource called the Healthy Hormone Audit in Action that could be a really great place for you to start this week too. We'll share it in the the episode notes, but it's something where you can go through and actually audit your symptoms and then have a checklist of some actions that you can gently start to explore in your daily experience to create a roadmap for your own hormone health. If you are someone who has been wanting to come off birth control or has been recommended by their provider to take birth control for a missing period or for their period problems. I also do have a 
a self-paced course called No Birth Control, Now What? That the intention is to provide you with the roadmap for painless, predictable cycles, you know, resolving your missing period and also prep for healthy conception. And so it includes the foundations that you need to support your women's health transitioning off of birth control and also creating hormone health moving forward. So there's kind of three ideas of little actions to explore there. I think that the free checklist is a fantastic place to start, as well as just making sure that you're getting breakfast. And for someone who's struggling with their food relationship, I think that you'll find, again, anchoring your blood sugar for the day is going to make a huge impact on how you feel from, I would even argue, like a safety standpoint in your body with food for the rest of the day, emotionally. Yeah, I love that, Olivia. Thank you so much for the the practical steps there. Um, if you are still listening to this, I hope you are eating breakfast daily, and I hope that gives <laughs> you some encouragement to do so if you're not, or maybe just to experiment with changing up the composition of your breakfast, right? Yeah. Not, not waiting until lunchtime to eat, right? Or um, not just grabbing, you know, a bowl of cereal. Have something else with it to give you a little bit more substance, right? A little bit of the protein to help regulate the, whatever the, the cereal or the toast or whatever might be, right? Cause we need those things, yes. right? Something I want to reiterate that you said earlier is that carbohydrate underconsumption can be a huge issue in the stress response and your hormone status. So keep, keep those things that you enjoy and add something to it to help balance it and regulate it more. So yeah. um, we'll absolutely link up the the healthy hormone audit and action in the show notes. So make sure you guys grab that. Um, thank you so much for being here with us today, Olivia, to provide such great insight and action steps, especially when it comes to just the impact of disordered eating on our hormone health. And yeah. for anyone who wants to learn more, about hormone health, um, grab that audit in action. Um, we'll also make sure we link in the show notes up to Olivia's um, Instagram page. If you guys want to shoot her a DM or shoot me a DM and let us know what you uh, loved about this episode or what your takeaways are. And until next week, friends, may you be filled with joy and abound in hope. Odds are, if you're hearing my voice right now, you might be a Christian woman who feels like food and nutrition are too complicated and that you'll have to struggle with negative body image for the rest of your life. And this podcast is here to help with that. On this show, I'm going to be sharing everything I know and continue to learn about how to cultivate a joy-filled and peaceful relationship with food in your body. But let's face it, it would take me years to share that kind of knowledge and strategy with you here through our free weekly episodes. And the thing is, Food freedom can be a really isolating process when you try to go it alone. So if you've been wanting to add some fuel to the fire on your path to food and body peace so that you can start seeing more confidence and improved physical and mental health now, I invite you to consider joining the Joy-Filled Eater live. This is the high-touch coaching program that I've created to educate and coach Christian women like you, and it's how dozens of women have stopped hating their bodies or looking to the scale for validation. Through this program, you'll get the blueprint and step-by-step -step process that you need to reach your food and body freedom goals, along with the accountability required to light a fire under you to implement what you've been learning and take some much-needed action. You'll also get live coaching from me personally every single week. Plus, when you join, you get immediate access to on-demand and live bonus trainings from therapists, Christian authors and speakers, strength coaches, and others so that you can better approach your physical and mental wellness holistically. 
you'll also join a community of other Christian women who are already eating more intuitively and are ready to help you do the same. So yes, you can absolutely rely on the episodes of this free podcast to help you ditch diet culture and start seeing some results on your own food freedom journey. Or you can fast track your path to freedom and do it in a way that's much more enjoyable and that will help you to be full of confidence as you take your next steps. So if you're ready to commit to getting rid of food rules and not letting the scale dictate the trajectory of your day, then click the link in the show notes and fill out an application and you'll be on your way to joining the Joy-Filled Eater Live. I'll see you inside the program.